Welcome to the podcast from Church of the Nazarene. Please subscribe to this podcast for the latest updates and new episodes. And you can also search for the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. We also invite you to join us each Sunday morning at 9 on our YouTube channel or Facebook Live. You can also join us in person at 9 or 1030 for our English services or 1145 for our Spanish service. We also invite you to join Celebrate Recovery every Monday night at 630. Thanks for listening. There's a great other seasons of the year to travel, but because I have young kids, it tends to be the time of the year where if we're able to take a trip, that's the time when they're out of school, throw everybody in the van, pack up and and go somewhere. But traveling, traveling with kids is not for the faint of heart. It's okay, parents, if you get a little blessed at this part, if you start nodding. Some of you, some nervous sweats, some PTSD from your experiences, right? Traveling with kids is not for the faint of heart. It goes something like this. You've you got to prepare, not just your itinerary, which way are we going to go, where are we going to stay, all of that stuff, but you've got you to pack all the stuff, and not just your stuff. In fact, what often happens with parents, you get there, you forgot half the stuff you needed because you were packing for them. For all of their stuff, what are they going to need, all, all of the items. You've you got to pack stuff to do in the car, something to keep them entertained when they're not watching some screen. You know, Some of you grew up in a generation where you couldn't watch something in the car. How did you ever survive, right? But you got to do stuff in the car. you got to pack snacks for the car, stuff to eat in, in the car, right? Something to keep everyone entertained. you got to pick up the house because you don't want to come home to a messy house. There's nothing worse than getting back from a trip and you walk in, it looks like a bomb went off. In your home. So you got to clean up in order to leave, right? You got that. You got to get the pets situated if you have pets because there's not enough responsibilities. You got to figure out somebody to feed them and take care of them, and they've got all their situation, everybody in places they need to go. You got everyone in the van. You're getting ready on your journey. You pull out of the driveway. You have that thought, what did we forget? Did we forget that? No, we, we finally make it down the road, and everything's going good. Everything in those first few minutes, it's exciting and good. It's a new journey. Here we go. We're off on vacation. But then it happens. Maybe, maybe you get an hour down the road. If you're really blessed, you might make it two hours. But then it happens. The question, the worst question, the question that sends cold chills down the spine of any parent past or present. Come on, you know the question, right? Say it with me. Are we there yet? Oh, I have a reaction even now, right? Are we there yet? The first time you can ignore it a little bit, maybe laugh it off. Maybe I I turn to Lauren and roll my eyes a little and just turn the music up a little louder, maybe accelerate a couple miles per hour quicker. But then it comes again. And again, and soon, there's an onslaught that no amount of candy or screen time or anything in the car can distract. It, it becomes not just a question, but, but, a, but a, a, a demand. Are we there yet? Welcome back to our series, The Wanderers. The Wanderers. Uh, we're in the midst of a series because the children of Israel are on a journey. And no, they're not journeying to the beach or even to King's Dominion, right? They're on a very different journey, but they're journeying towards a promised land, a promised land. Uh, They've been rescued from slavery in Egypt. 
We heard about this last week if you were here with us. And they're beginning this journey towards the promise of what God has said is up ahead. We really could call this series, Are We There Yet? <laughs> because this series, we're going to look at snapshots. We're looking at snapshots of moments on this journey where the children of Israel are pretty impatient. They're grumbling quite a bit. They're like the kids in the back seat, and they've got everything provided for them. But even then, they're crying out in anguish, are we there yet? They experience all kinds of ups and downs. But we're not, we're not just looking at this historical account of a journey that happened thousands of years ago. That's good. We're doing that. But here's what we're doing. We're really finding ourselves in the story. We're placing ourselves within the pages of this story we're, we're asking the Lord to reveal to us, how are we, how are you and I wanderers in the year 2022? What do these stories mean for our lives right now, today? And what, maybe that's the whole point of this series, really, that's the vision behind it. Where are you? Where are you in the wandering? So turn today, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 15. I'd love for you to open up your copy of scripture uh, on version, your Bible app. We have an event there set up with some extra notes. Uh, what, what's happening so far? What's happening so far? If you missed out last week or if you're not familiar with the Exodus story, what's happening so far? Well, so far, God has delivered the children of Israel. They were in slavery for more than 400 years, right? For as long as they could, generations and generations and generations that they could remember, they have been slaves. That's been their identity. But God delivers them. He sees the suffering of his people. And he sends a man, Moses, to help deliver them from the hands of Pharaoh and towards a promised land. And so, after miracle after miracle, Pharaoh finally relents and lets the people go, right? But... They don't go on a straight path, do they? They don't take, if point A is where they're at and point B is the promised land right there, they don't go that way, do they? They go almost the opposite direction through the desert, through the wilderness. And last week, Pastor Sam did a great job kicking off the series by talking about the roadblock, right? They're leaving slavery. It could have been like a victory parade. And before they know it, they're up against a literal roadblock. A sea, the Red Sea, is in front of them. And to make matters worse, the Red Sea is in front of them, but what's behind them? Well, behind them is the Egyptian army, because behind them, Pharaoh has decided, wait, wait, wait a second, I made a big mistake. Who's going to do all the work around here without them? Hey, hey, let's go get them and bring them back. So in front of them is the Red Sea, and behind them is a literal army coming after them, right? They're in a pretty difficult spot. But what does God do? Well, they, they begin to grumble. They begin to worry. They cry out, and they say, hey, 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 we, we actually would have been better to just be slaves. You brought us out here to die. They begin to complain and grumble. They forget quickly all the good things that God has done, and now in the midst of their circumstances, they're desperate. So what does God do? He parts the waters, right? He, he leads them. Listen, he doesn't just get around the He goes through the obstacle on dry ground, and then, and then the Lord delivers them from the Egyptian armies as they're left devastated and awake. What does God do? God delivers his people. He delivers his people. I love how Pastor Sam put it last week if you were here. He, he said, God is always for you. I love that. That's a truth some of us need to hold on today, isn't it? Because it doesn't feel like that maybe today. I don't know your circumstances. But, but the truth is God, if you're in Christ, if you're seeking after him in relationship with him, God is for you. He's for you. And, Pastor Sam said, keep, keep stepping 
forward in his direction. Because he is always for you. Even when, even when you're facing a literal dead end in front of you and chaos behind you, know that he's for you and keep taking steps forward in his direction. That was some good truth. So after all that, you would think the rest of the story is smooth sailing, right? They've experienced miracle after miracle. And God parted what they walked through a sea on dry ground. Surely now the rest is smooth sailing. But we're going to learn today uh, something a little bit different. So Exodus 15, we're going to be in verse 22. We're going to look at just a, a short a snapshot, a glimpse here, another image within the story that I think has some strong um, application for us today. I'm going to invite you to stand if you're able as we read God's word today. We're going to read uh, verse 22 through 27. It'll be on the screen behind me if you don't have it in front of you. But let's open the word together and let's stand uh, in, in acknowledgement of God's word today. Exodus 15 verse 22. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea. We just talked about that, right? And they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. That's why the place was called Marah. So the people grumbled against Moses saying, what are we to drink? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood, and he threw it in the water, and the water became fit to drink. There the Lord issued a ruling, and instruction for them, and he put them to the test. He said, if you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if, if you pay attention to his commands and you keep his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptian, for I am the Lord who heals you. Then they came to Elam, where there were 12 springs and 70 palm trees, and they camped there near the water. Some of you like that vision of the palm trees and the springs. That's kind of a summer vision for you. I like that, right? Let's bow our heads this morning and let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today, and we thank you that your word is true we thank you that these are not just historical accounts, stories that we can read that happened thousands of years ago, but, but these are, are stories that are alive and active. These are stories you desire for us to experience your truth today, now, in this moment today. God, you have something you want us to learn, so teach us. May we be teachable, open our eyes and open our ears and open our hearts this morning to your truth, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Before you sit down, turn to somebody and say, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Get it out of your system. Get it out of your system. All right, you can have a seat. Now you don't have to say it all summer, right? You're good. You're good. Are we there yet? Listen, modern science, this is what modern science says. Modern science says that the human body can go three days without water, but not more. So in our story we just read, right, the children of Israel were literally desperate. Three days without any water. They had reached their limit. They could not go any longer, and they knew it. God was literally their only hope. Just like, just like when they were facing the Red Sea in front of them in an army charging from the rear, right? Just as he was their only hope then, so again, now, quickly, three days later, he again is their only hope. But we would be mistaken if we thought this was just some accident or coincidence. Everything, listen, this is so important throughout this series this summer. Everything God leads his people through 
is intentional. It has a purpose, just as it does today in our lives. So briefly, let's look at the timeline of what happened. You just read the passage with me, but what, but what happened? Step one, the people are desperate, right? They need water. They need water. Step two, what happens? They grumble and complain again. This is the theme. We're going to see it time and time again. But the people, in response to their need, what do they do? They start grumbling a little bit, just like your road trip when somebody gets a little hangry, right? You know, you don't look around. You know who that person is, right? They start to grumble. Well, they, the, the children of Israel, they're grumbling. They're crying out. What does God do? Next, he, he meets their need. Even though they're faithless, even though they're not trusting him, right, he, he still, he meets their need. He provides a miracle and provides water that they can actually drink. So what happens next? God makes a promise to them about their future protection. Look, did you catch that? It's not just that God provides the need then. He makes a promise, a declaration, a covenant with them about future provision. What his promise, though, is contingent on what? Their obedience. If you'll obey me, if you'll obey my commands... If you'll trust me, right? We just sang those words, oh, for grace to trust you. If you'll trust in me as your true God, your provider. And then finally, right? God endorses that promise by bringing them to a literal paradise. In the middle of the desert, God brings them to palm trees, an oasis in the midst of their wilderness. This is a beautiful story. So what does it mean for us? What does it mean for us? What does this story have to do with you and I in 2022? Maybe, maybe as you read the story today, I don't know about you, but, but this is true for me. As you read the story today, maybe you can relate to the pain and frustration the children of Israel felt. Maybe if you've read the story, you know the right answer is, oh, come on, trust God. God's going to provide. He's going to get you through. He's done it before. But, but if, if you put yourselves in their circumstances, in their shoes or their sandals, or maybe they didn't have shoes, but if you put yourselves there, right, I don't know about you, but, but I think, of course, they're frustrated. They haven't had water in three days. They're in a desert. Of course, they're frustrated. Of course, they're complaining. What else are they supposed to do? That's how I would feel. Anybody else? It's easy because we've read it a few times. We go, oh, if they would just trust God. Come on, no. Three days, no water? You're desperate. Of course, of course you'd start complaining. I, I would. What else should they do? I remember a season of my life, I was really young in ministry, graduated from Eastern Nazarene College where I met Lauren, and shortly after that time we got married, and I took a, a youth pastor position in Richmond near where I grew up. And so we were very young, uh, I was very new in ministry, uh, we were doing everything that we know uh, the Lord to do in that season, trying to be obedient to him, but we were broke. Like, I, I, I thought I knew what broke was, but I'm here to tell you in that season of my life, I mean, we were broke. <laughs> We didn't have anything, and I'm just, it was really discouraging. I remember those early years of marriage, and in ministry, again, I was a pastor, so I'd gone to school to study for ministry. I was a youth pastor in Richmond, and I felt like I was being obedient to the Lord, but, but it, was, it was really disheartening how broke we were. And it was a struggle. It was a struggle to trust God. I'm going to be honest. There were moments I was grumbling. I was saying, Lord, what do you expect from me? I'm being obedient. Look, we moved our, our you know, we're, we're newlyweds. We came down here. We don't know this church. We came down here to serve you. We don't even have what we need. I was frustrated. I was grumbling. Of course I'm upset, God. 
how are we going to make it? You led us here, and now what? I, I was, it was real for me. God, are you paying attention? Is there some connection here? That's like, because here I am, and I'm doing your, your work and your will, and this was really frustrating. I remember that. Some of you, some of you read this story, and you remember. You remember moments like that where grumbling was real. And, and get this, it felt justified, didn't it? You looked at your circumstances, and you're like, of course I'm upset, God. Of course I'm disappointed. Of course I'm, I'm, I'm mad and frustrated. Look at what's happening around me. Where, where are you at in this? Maybe, maybe you feel like that today. Maybe that's a very recent circumstance for you. You felt desperation. You felt like you were hopeless, like you were literally in the desert. And, and your first instinct in that moment isn't to trust, but to grumble, to cry out, to complain. I remember those moments in my life. How, how, about, how about you? See, the vision of this series, uh, when I was praying about what it would look like for us to spend a little bit of our summer in the Old Testament, I was really reflecting, I was really reflecting on the fact that I believe many of us today, many of us today might be in that wilderness experience. In fact, I was, I was journeying with a couple people in our church family this week. They are in a literal wilderness season right now. I mean, if you were to go over the laundry list of things, of circumstances happening in their life, it feels overwhelming. It feels like too much. Maybe, maybe you've been there recently, you're not, but, but some of you today, some of us in our church family today, we are in a season of life right now today, and it feels like a literal desert. It, maybe you, you've trusted God before, maybe you, you, want, you want to believe everything that he says is true, but you look around you and your circumstances, and it, of course you're grumbling. Of course you're crying out. What, what are you supposed to do? I resonate with that feeling. I resonate with that emotion. I, I think... Many of us today can. Maybe for you, your relationships, right? The relationships that matter the most to you are really, really messy. Maybe your marriage is a mess and you don't know how to fix it. Your relationships with your children are more distant and fractured than you want them to be. Today, some of us, finances are a mess and the stress it creates is overwhelming. It's all you think about. It's all you think about, and it's too much. You're up in the middle of the night, drowning in despair. It's a desert season. Maybe some today you feel like your life doesn't have direction. You're coming out of a season, listen, marked by a pandemic and about suffering, and so you want to believe today that there's new hope, but for you, you just feel lost or alone or uncertain about what's next and how you're even going to get there. You're a wanderer. That's how you feel today. All of us, listen, all of us have been there. All of us have been there in that wilderness season, but some of you are there right now. You can feel it. You can see it. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Well, there's a powerful metaphor in this story that I don't want to miss, and I think it's an important one for us to grab hold of today. Whether you're in that season now, whether that season is not so far in the distance that you can't remember, or maybe, maybe the world in which we're living, we know there's a season coming that might feel a lot like this for each and every one of us. I, I think there's a metaphor here. Uh, look at the story again. What, what happens? They're desperate for water, right? Three days that literally the human body can't take anymore. They're desperate for water. But, but get this, get this. 
They, they get there, and it's almost cruel, right? Because they're thirsty, and they see water. They see what they need, except what's the irony in the story? They can't drink it, can they? It's bitter. And, and you may look at that and be like, well, get over it. Drink better water. No, the bitterness probably meant it was contaminated. This was not safe. This would kill them. And so the thing that they need is there, but they can't have it. That's some irony, isn't it? That's some irony in the story. It, it seems cruel. It, it's easy to make judgments of God in those situations, isn't it? That he's distant or he's uncaring or he's forgotten you. It would feel like that in that moment, right? We're, we're, we're thirsty. We're going to die out here. Oh, and here's water, but we can't even drink it. Great. Some of us today are experiencing the bitterness, the bitterness of our present reality. Your reality today, your circumstances taste bitter. And that's a desperate and lonely place. Are we there yet, right? Are we there yet? One of the longest car rides uh, I've ever taken with our family could not end soon enough. <laughs> it could not. I, I mean, I'm telling you, there's some PTSD somewhere in there if I think about it too long. We have been in the car all, all day. Uh, 600 miles, for some of you, that's like not a big deal, but when you have four kids, and the youngest at the time was two years old, 600 miles is a lot of miles. And I remember we were in the backwoods of New Hampshire, which I'm sure is a beautiful place, but in this moment, it did not feel beautiful to me. Because glory, sweet glory, my youngest, she was two years old at the time, and she was done. <laughs> she was done. We were beyond are we there yet, right? Well, that was cute and funny 200 miles ago. We were beyond that point. Uh, we, we were tired. It was dark. It was getting dark. Uh, we weren't really sure where we were going. We were trying to navigate the directions on the road and, and all that. Uh, people were getting car sick because we're going through the back roads. It was, not a, it was not an exciting couple moments there on the journey. And Gloria had eaten the snacks. She had watched the shows. Every single toy we'd given her had been thrown somewhere, you know, in disgust or frustration. And she, she was not asking, are we there yet? She was telling us, I'm all done. <laughs> she just, I'm all done. And the first time we're going, ha, ha, ha. I'm telling you, this is probably like 50 times now where she's saying with tears streaming down her face, parents, some of you can relate to this, I'm all done. I'm all done. You know, and it's like there's nothing else we could do for her. I'm all done. That's what she kept saying over and over. Um, I, I remember the, the memory. So Lauren, of course, I, I, I was driving and she's kind of the co-pilot and Man, moms just have this gift where they have to like turn around 54 times uh, during the trip and just hand, and they don't throw up because if I do it twice, I'm done. But she's done it, and she's, I mean, she's had it too, you know. She's done everything. There's nothing else we can do. And so in this moment, I remember driving, it's dark, everybody's done, everybody's ready to get there. And I've got one hand on the wheel, and I just reach my other hand back, and I just hold her hand. Now, that didn't cause, she was still wailing and crying. It wasn't like, oh, you know, it was, but I just, I was trying to do anything, I was trying to think of anything I could, because we'd done everything we knew possible in that moment, and none of it was working. And so I just reached my hand back, and it may have been 20 minutes, it felt like a really long time, but for those last 20 minutes of the ride, as she continued to say, I'm all done, I'm all done, I'm all done, and we had tried to respond sweetly, and I just held her hand and kept driving. Because you see, I knew something in that moment. I knew something that I could not possibly explain to her. 
I knew we were almost there. I knew. I could see it on my GPS. I knew. I didn't know the total way. I didn't know exactly, but I could see we're only four miles away. We're only three miles away. And she can't understand that, right, as my two-year-old that's screaming and crying and feels like, do we just live in a van now for the rest of our lives? But I just, I knew, I knew what was coming up ahead, and I knew we were almost there. And so in my desperation, I just, I wanted to hold her hand to just let her know, hang in there, girl. Hang in there, girl. We will almost be there. And I'm just here to tell you, we got there. We arrived. It was beautiful. It was good. We made it almost in one piece, right? We made it there. Church, listen to me today. God, God can and will do something sweet on the other side of your bitter. You're thinking today, I'm all done. (laughs) I'm all done, God. This isn't fun anymore. I'm all done. The circumstances in front of me are too much. I'm all done. I don't understand how in the world where I'm at now is going to lead me to where God is going to bring me. I am all done. And you feel a lot like my two-year-old strapped in her seat, crying, screaming in anguish. But I want to let you know today. The same God, right? The same God that in Exodus 15, in the midst of of their desperation, provided exactly what they needed. The same God who, who was alive and well and moving then is the same God that's alive and moving today in your lives. And even though you feel all done in life, your circumstances feel bitter, God can, God will provide something sweet on the other side. It's almost as if today in your anguish, he reaches out his hand. And in the moment, it doesn't make everything better. It doesn't make all the circumstances go away, but it's almost as if your heavenly father is reaching out his hand because he knows what's coming. He can see what's up ahead and he knows we're gonna make it. We're gonna make it. There's something sweet up ahead and you can't see it. Oh, my child, you don't understand, but I'm here with you, and we're going to make it. We're going to arrive. Today, uh, my question for us is this. Will you trust God? Will you trust God when life tastes bitter? I've talked a lot about trust. If you've been showing up recently, you're going, oh, here he goes again. But I'm just, it's where God has me. Oh, for grace to trust you more. It's where God has me in my life, in my circumstances, as, as a pastor, as a husband, as a father, as a human being living in 2022. I don't know how to live in this world without thinking and talking about trust. And today, I think the question that Exodus 15 asks us is this. Will you trust God when your life tastes bitter? Some of you today, that's you. Tastes bitter. Will you trust God? Will you believe Up ahead, you you can't see it yet, you don't know when, you don't understand, but in faith, in faith, believe he can and will provide something sweet on the other side of your bitter. The band's coming and they're going to help us uh, conclude today. There there was a song as I was praying about this series for us, there was a song I stumbled upon and it, it, I, I just love it, it's a beautiful declaration It's a beautiful declaration of who God is in the midst of our desert seasons, in the midst of our wandering. And today, I want to share the song with you as a prayer, as a testimony, as an opportunity for you to respond. In a minute, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for the one today that life tastes real bitter. 
for the one today that's struggling to trust that God can provide something sweet on the other side of, of your bitterness today, the bitterness that, that you find yourselves. But this song, I, I'm not going to share all the words, but there's a point in this song that I love towards the end of the song, and it says this. It's, it's declaring to God. It's saying, God, you heard your children then. It's kind of it's talking about Exodus, isn't it? God, you heard your children then, and you hear your children now. You're the same God. You were providing then. Didn't we just read that? We read about thousands of years ago that God provided. He did a miracle to provide the water that they needed in the moment of crisis. This song says, God... You were providing then, and you're providing now. You're the same God. You moved in power then, and you move in power now. You're the same God. You were a healer then. You hear that in the story? It said you're the God that heals, right? You were the healer then, but you're the healer now. You're the same God. You were the Savior then. You're the Savior now. You're the same God. Do you believe that today? Do you believe? Are, are these just cute stories that happen that you can say, well, that was neat? Or do you believe that the same God who showed up in their desperation can show up in yours? Because if you do, that changes everything, doesn't it? That changes everything. God, today I pray for my brothers and sisters, our church family today. I, I know a few this week, they're journeying through some bitter, some bitter water. Their circumstances, the things happening in their lives, it is too much for them. They are in a wilderness season. And I don't know, I don't know who else is here, but I know there's others today. Their season has been not just a day, not just a week, but a month, a year, longer than that. And God, today you're asking us to trust you. You're asking us to trust in our desperation that on the other side of this bitter water that we're drinking... You want to do something sweet. We can't see it. We, we are in the backseat screaming, I'm all done. I'm all done. I can't go another minute. But in your love, you're graciously holding our hand. And you want to bring us to your provision. You want to bring us to a, a blessing, something we can't see yet, if we will trust you. And so I pray for the one today who is struggling. They're angry. They're afraid. They can't see it. They can't understand. You, they feel disappointed at you, God. I pray for that one today. That they would trust. They would trust. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening today. Go ahead and subscribe to our channel for updates and new episodes. And if you have any questions about our church or ministries, go ahead and email us at info at cotnaz.org.